we have been working in our series Monumental. We started that series talking about the corrupt monuments, the monuments that obviously lead us away from God. And so we looked at the story of King Hezekiah who tore down the high places and he tore down these Asherah poles and these Asherah poles were to a Canaanite goddess. And so he saw these high places leading people in another direction from God and he tore them down. And we talked about how we all have our own kind of corrupt monuments that we build up in our own lives. Sometimes it's things like being a workaholic or, 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 or anger or all sorts of things that we, we puff up and, and, and we, we allow us to, to be led astray in that direction. And so last week we talked about the faithful monuments of the times where we see that God is, is moving in our lives and God has saved us. And so uh, we looked at the story of the crossing of the Jordan River when the, when the Hebrew people uh, took stones with them to remind them of God saving them, of bringing them out of slavery and into promised land. And so today, uh, I want to talk about some, some tempting monuments, some things that, that can be good, that, things that can lead us to God, but when we're not careful, start turning inward, start closing us off, and we look at the things themselves instead of God. And so we are going to be in Mark chapter 12. It's kind of the end of Mark 12 and the very beginning of Mark chapter 13. And we're going to read from uh, this section, and we're actually going to start in the middle. And, and you might remember in a previous sermon series, we talked about how uh, the Gospel of Mark likes to sandwich stories. And we talked about the cursing of the fig tree and the cleansing of the temple, and that, that Mark likes to sandwich stories where there's this central story and this framework that begins and ends that section. And that's something about the framework and the, you know, that the bread of the sandwich and the meat of the sandwich are in dialogue together. And so we're going to start with the meat of Mark's story, that middle part of the story. And so Mark tells us that Jesus had just sat down opposite of the treasury. He's in the temple complex. And he watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Now this, this treasury was where, where people were giving offerings. They were bringing gifts to God. And the temple structure at the time of Jesus' life was really sprawling. There um, was this outer court that Gentiles were allowed into. And then it's kind of concentric circles, which, uh, you know, has the, the point of view and the kind of the biases at work of that time in which then you get towards a women's court. And then you get closer and men can go there. And then you get closer and the priests can go there. And so it was in this women's court that you had this treasury. And, and the treasury is kind of like the bank's of the ancient world. Uh, there's the stability. You could bring money. You could hold on to it there. Money could be, uh, you could take it back later. In times of distress, though, that money would just be taken. Um, but the treasury was there at the temple. And so uh, Jesus is kind of people watching. It says that he watched and many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. And so you see these people bringing in uh, you know, before you got a card and you don't know how much money is on your card, you've got a large amount of money or a small amount of money, and it's a little bit obvious to the people around. And so he's seeing some people depositing large money and someone, this poor widow, who just has these two coins. And so it's important to know the difficulty of what it was to be a widow in this time. It's a, you know, I talked about the structure of where, where you got to go as a woman in the temple complex, but also in society, what work opportunities were available to you. And so to lose a husband in that time was a, not just a social and a personal loss, it is an economic loss. 
And at that time, a, a widow, maybe their, their family might be able to pay back the dowry that was given to them when that marriage was initially happened to get the woman, the widow, back into their family. But often that wasn't the case. And there wasn't much advantage to this family system to benefit this widow. Uh, and so often they would l lower in the social society and the honor and the opportunities, and they would struggle to survive. And so there was a lot of religious instruction about helping support and take care of widows, though we know in, in part from Jesus' stories and, and in part from history that uh, that didn't always get lived out as well as it should. And so it's in the midst of this that this, this poor widow shows up, and she's got uh, what it says in the text, which is two small copper coins. And the smallest kind of denomination of money in this time uh, came out to 1 64th of a day's wage. So in our translation, it kind of uses that language of a penny. And you can think in our today, today's world where so many pennies are just left on the ground where someone's like, I don't know that it's worth carrying this penny, right? That uh, they just kind of get left behind. But to someone who has nothing, even these two little coins mean a lot. But what she does with those coins catches Jesus' eye. She, she donates and she gives to the treasury those two small coins. And Jesus turns to his disciples in Mark and he says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more in than all of those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she has come out of her poverty and has put everything in it that she had, all that she had to live on. And I think it's worth noting that Jesus talks to his disciples all the time about, you know, what it is to follow him. And it's hard, and they, they still want to put themselves in seats of honor. They still want to puff themselves up. And Jesus is turning and saying, hey, this, this widow uh, has more devotion uh, than anybody in this scene, but also the, pe the people Jesus is talking to as well, that she is this exemplar of faith of, of even all that she has, she is giving over. Uh, to God. Now, many of you have probably heard this story, and you kind of stopped there, but the context of the story really matters. And I think for a long time, the story was just about the virtuous giving of this widow, but it is told in a context that has a lot of prophetic words to say. So right before the story started, the bread of the story that begins, Mark says, Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of the scribes. Now, the scribes in this time had varying kinds of, of functions. Sometimes they gave legal uh, advice, and they were part of legal you know, documentation and whatnot. Sometimes they, they produced documents. Sometimes they advised priests or civil authorities. Sometimes they were just recognized as teachers. Uh, but they were educated and had an elevated place in society. And so people greeted them differently than they did others. And so Jesus is going to say some things about being aware of these scribes. He says, beware of these scribes who like to walk around in long robes. Now, these robes seem to be reminiscent of the kind of priestly attire of that time, on these long flowing robes. And I've got a quote here from Josephus that I was going to read just to give you a taste of kind of the extravagance or the interesting attire. And he talks about the robes. Uh, that the robe of the tunic goes all the way to the ankles, enveloping the body with long sleeves tightly laced around the arms. And they girded around the chest, winding to a little bit above the armpits, 
And then there was a sash, about four fingers kind of uh, in, in breadth, that would go around that top of it uh, with the appearance of a serpent skin. Uh, so special kind of fabric, special material. And there are woven flowers of diverse hues of crimson and purple and blue fine linen, but the warp is, uh, is purely of fine linen. And they would wound, wind it around their chest, and after passing it around once again, it is tied, and then it hangs at length to the ankles. And so they would have a moment where they had tasks at hand that this beauty was too much, and so they'd have this big sash that was going to the ankles, and they'd have to throw it up over their shoulder because it was going to get in the way. And so they've got this extravagant robe, uh, and, and I want to mention that it's not that clothes are bad in this story. He's going to get to why some of these things don't matter, but many of us are distracted by what people wear. So that's one of those kind of monuments that, that what somebody wears is going to affect the way that you treat them, the way that you look at them. And I'm sure when Jesus is looking at the temple and he sees the poor widow and he sees the people putting in large money, people are making judgments just based on their, their clothes about who is faithful, who is devoted to God, and who is not. But he says, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in the long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplace, to have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor. And I almost wonder if this is a StubHub commercial or something of the best seats in the house, right? Of uh, They get preferential spots, right? They get to go in and they get the place of honor, the highest honor spot. And, and then it gets to the part that it really connects to this text that we read earlier. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearances say long prayers. And this gets into the heart of Jesus' prophetic push against the structures of the temple, the people in charge. You've got all this fancy attire that seems like it's pointing to, to, to God, but at the same time you're devouring the widows' houses. And, and they could have done this in a lot of ways. There's all these kind of technicalities about Maybe they're accepting payment for legal aid, or maybe they're taking a higher cut of this will that's left behind, or, or they're mismanaging property, or they're all, all sorts of things. Uh, but something is being unjust that they're taking from the, from the lowest, from those that have, have nothing left. And you think about like the prophet Nathan going to David, who, who had, had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and, and the prophet comes to him and says, this man had, a, had this one sheep, this one that he cared for, and, and then somebody with a lot took that one. Like, how dare you took from the person who only had one? And you think about the widows who are struggling to economically survive in this time, and they're saying, you're devouring their houses. And Jesus concludes that they will receive a greater condemnation. And so it's in the, in the context of this, this warning that that there are these people that, that look puffed up, that look like they've got it all figured out, but they are actually devouring the widow's houses. And that puts a little bit of different context for this widow who's giving her last two cents at the temple. Right? Why is she giving her last two cents? Why, why is she in a situation where that's all that she has? And so, yes, she's faithful, but there's a condemnation about the whole structure that is putting her into this situation, that isn't taking care of her. And so there's this prophetic call against this establishment that is allowing the, the prominence of those who could be dressed in the special way and taking advantage of those who couldn't. 
And Mark gives us a, a, a great framework where he ends this story. If you didn't catch that he talked about devouring widows' houses and then talks about a widow giving all that she had, he closes this story off by saying that as Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said, look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. They're talking about this temple. Do you see these great buildings, Jesus asked them? Not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. So if you didn't catch Mark earlier that, that there are people who are devouring those who are less fortunate, the disciples leave. They haven't got the message, right? Like, Man, this temple's beautiful. You're like, how did we get this beautiful temple? Right? And, and at this time, Herod had expanded the temple in massive proportions. Uh, that was one thing that Herod tried to do to build Uh, that everybody would love him, that they would like him as a ruler. He tried to build giant projects. And it made those who had resources a little bit happy because they enjoyed them. But it was backed on the taxations of all the people. And and it wasn't just in Jerusalem. He made building projects. uh, uh, He helped build places in Damascus and other spots. He even helped sponsor an Olympics that was was underfunded and wasn't going to happen. And so his, his extravagance made for a beautiful temple that the disciples are marveling at. But Jesus is like, that's not going to last. Those stones are coming down. You're looking at the wrong thing here. Jesus sees the widow with the two coins. Everybody else is looking at the beautiful structures. They're looking at, you know, uh, look at that wealthy, you know, you know they, I don't know what the size of the money bags is of the rich Uh, deposits that are going in. In today's world, it's like, man, look at that awesome car or whatever it is. But Jesus sees the devotion of the poor widow. And I think that we are all enticed into the same way of looking at the world, that we can get taken in by the beauty of the things around us and fail to see what God is doing and where God is calling individuals. And I think in the midst of the the pain of this pandemic, there's one blessing that we should hope to long to, to, to enact to let God work in us, is that when we've all had to be separated, we've all had to be the church wherever we are, that you can still worship God on the go. You can worship God. You can pray to God. You can tell others about God. And so when we re-enter into our church buildings, Let us not get too distracted by the beauty and the arches and the lighting and the stage and all of that. But let us have eyes to see the people that make it a church. Let us have eyes to see the devotion that is internal, uh, that isn't always so easily seen on the outside. And I'm, I'm so grateful. Uh, it, you know, if you've never been in a space where it's just you and a camera, uh, it is a beautiful thing to have people, uh, to enter into conversation, uh, to speak to somebody where you can see them flesh and blood. And when we feel that warmth, which isn't just an immediate thing, but as we return, whether that's soon or later, towards worshiping in more gathered spaces, 
Let us be grateful and thankful for the people in those spaces, not just about a building or the, or the pretty things that we've missed. And so I want to give us some takeaways. What do we do with this text? What does it maybe have to say to us? That first, beware. Don't devour people for the sake of appearances. And I know that there are people that they can't get past an appearance. And everything is just, well, I don't like how this looks, whether that's the space or how someone's dressed. And we don't see the person that we are affecting. Beware of devouring not just people's houses, but people themselves, all for the appearance, for the outside, for the external. Also, measure your ministry out of, your, out of poverty and not abundance. We tend to think of what do we do really well? Let's find the best things that we do. Let's measure that. Where we have great resources, where we have great opportunities, how great are we doing there? But Jesus in the story is like, all these people gave out of their wealth, but look how she gave out of everything. What, what's left over is a measure of how faithful and how devoted. Not what you have, but, but how you've given over all of yourself. And so where do we feel stretched and, and thin and that we don't have uh, enough to, to try to follow God in that direction? Saying yes to God and being able to minister out of where you feel like you don't have enough is where God is showing you how to have faith and be devoted. And so abundance is easy, but, but living out of poverty requires faith. And lastly, put your eyes towards God. You know, it's, it's easy to be distracted in this world, and there's plenty of distractions. You know, it's, it's easy that you could put your eyes on one thing or the other, but let's look for where God is at work and things. And so I, I want to remind you that I, I said earlier, it's not about robes. And you might notice, you know, I'm not wearing a robe in here. Uh, and so I have plenty of friends who, who minister with robes. It's not about that. Um, it's about ministering and calling people to God in whatever context you are. And so wherever you are, to whoever you're ministering to, uh, how do we take people's focus and putting them towards God? Because uh, that's what matters most. And so let's not get distracted by, you know, the churches everywhere right now. We've got so many different safety procedures and ways of being and doing church. But it's on each of us to enter into worship and to put our eyes onto God and to find God at work and to worship. And, and it's on us to look in our daily life and to see the people who get overlooked, who get uh, oppressed, who are mistreated, and to see that God is at work in them just as much as anybody else, and that you might actually see devotion and faithfulness even more in them uh, than those who are around them. And so let us take heed to Mark's warning that it's easy that even a temple that is designed to bring people into God's worship and experience can sometimes turn our eyes from God to the temple itself, to the thing itself. Let us make those, those monuments of faithfulness to God. Let's take them and remind ourselves to look to God and not to the thing itself. And so would you join me in prayer in this moment? Lord, we know that we often get distracted. 
There are times where we wander. Lord, we ask that you would help set our, our eyes on you. Then we might be able to surrender all of ourselves to you. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to see you at work in the world and in the lives of others. Lord, help us to be reminded in the season that you are with us everywhere. That you are with us in our homes. You are with us on the street. You are with us in buildings and outside of buildings. Lord, help us to take, take this moment to get refocused on you and to worship you alone. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.